You are listening to John Gerica on SFM. Well, there you heard it from Aldrin telling you that if you want to know more about Goa, then this uh, midday live and and the afternoon drive over the next couple of days would be the place to be. They will explain everything and talk to the power brokers as well. Uh, all right, so that's something to chew on. We'll chat uh, open line again after 11 o'clock, but you're always welcome to call 086-000-2032. You know that number, but we'll have an open line after 11 where you can talk about anything. Now, though, let's talk about Spaza shops. Accenture has just done some research and revealed opportunities and challenges for Spaza shops keen to communities across South Africa. Home Affairs ministers directed all municipalities to audit Spaza shops owned by foreign nationals in their jurisdictions. Erin uh, Matsuoledi said that's part of their intergovernmental approach to respond to the public outcry about the quality of food sold at Spaza shops. I know this has been going on for years. When I was filling in before Eldrin joined, uh, this was an issue that we were talking about. Uh, what has led to foreign nationals dominating the township economy? Can we restructure the spaza shops to benefit the communities? Because not only you know, if they create jobs, as I said at the beginning, but then they also aren't the best jobs in the world. Overworked, underpaid uh, as you heard, owned by people who are in the country illegally. Let's talk to Tiboko Kass, Chief Int- uh, Entrepreneur at the Institute of Chartered Accountants. Tiboko, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening, John. Uh, just a correction. Uh, Institute of Chartered Entrepreneurs. Char- oh, I, sorry. Wish I, I wish Accountants. I was a chartered accountant. <laughs> I'll make sure my daughter sells red cakes. <laughs> chartered Entrepreneurs. I didn't know there yes. was such a thing, but okay. What, what do you guys do? Look, we want to professionalize entrepreneurship. Okay. Uh, today, anybody can claim to be an entrepreneur, just as anybody can claim to be a businessman, even those who do shady business with government and other mm-hmm. places. Yeah, I've tried to be an entrepreneur. It's hard work. <laughs> it's really yep. hard work. Uh, yep. Okay, let's talk about Spaza Shops. Give us, if you can, the history of the Spaza Shop. It was forced upon people because there was just nowhere to shop. Am I right? No, it was it was more like a convenience shop, and I think the history of spaza shops go back way to those the apartheid days mm. when there was a list. I can't remember how many items were allowed for black uh, traders to actually trade in in the townships and, and elsewhere, and therefore they were only limited to sell certain items and also at certain times. And certain mm-hmm. items were completely excluded, including serving sorghum beer and so forth. And that's why you had bootlegging and all those other manner of things. But partnerships shops were born out of convenience because otherwise, because of special planning, you would find that most people had to go to the cities to go and buy groceries, even for for essential things, even for minor items. So out of convenience, and somebody will sell milk. I remember UCF um, milk deliveries, you probably did also. Um, uh, uh, oh, but then corner cafes would you'd go and buy just little items, bread, mm-hmm. milk, cold drink, and all that. And also, they also became very useful, especially in rural areas, where uh, store owners or shop owners would also give people um, goods, food on credit, uh, and then when they are uh, spouses or, uh, or breadwinners were in the cities at end, they would repatriate their earnings to the villages and then they would right. then settle the dead. So that was became, became more of a convenience type of uh, environment. It grew to what it is today now. 
Okay, hundreds of thousands of jobs, hundreds of thousands of spas and shops. Have things changed since the dark days? Are, are, are these still little convenience stores run by mom and pop? No, not at all. In fact, there was a time where the, the spaza shop industry was um, actually bettered, um, especially with the emergence of uh, retailers mm. like Pick and Pay and ShopRite and all that. They are foray into, into traditionally black areas. And then the spaza shop model became weakened uh, and, and affected people would rather go to Maponya Mall or other places to go and shop at Pick and Pay uh, than at the spaza shop. Because of the proximity now, you don't have to use a train or a bus or a taxi to go to the city. To go. So you've got all the things that you can need from the city here locally. So why don't you go and buy as much as you can? Mm. So spaza shops were battered. But then there became a revival of spaza shop. I just don't I, I put my fingers to where the revival started and all that. Um, and that included a lot of convenience from self, cell phone, prepaid cell phone, uh, scratch cards, and, and all those other little things that they were able to sell as a manner of convenience that you don't have to go to pick and pay or a pick and pay might not have. Or I'm just using pick and pay as an example, so mm-hmm. uh, I hope nobody gets offended <laughs> by that. Um, and 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 we saw also now even shops that were closed. There was a time when most of the shops were mothballed. Where I grew up in Dubai, so where to. There's a store just uh, two, three houses away from where I, I lived. Um, it's still mothballed now. In fact, there's two stores mothballed. Mm-hmm. And now there came a time when with the influx of um, foreigners into the country, especially I'm talking about Pakistanis and others, the owners were now able to be offered to rent out those stores. And then we saw them reopen and then being run by uh, foreigners largely. And as time went, even the spaza shops that were in the houses which were struggling mm-hmm. were rented out to people who then they pay a huge type of uh, rental to the to the homeowner and and make uh, and sleep in the in the same spaza mm-hmm. shop, sell from the same spaza shops, uh, and their cost base is also lowered by something that I think the authorities ought to put a, a, a finger on, which is they would buy goods for export. Okay, uh, you're not- okay, hold on, hold on. Before you before you go there, there's something you touched on there that I didn't know, and and yes, thank you yes. for pointing this out. So, so the spaza shops were owned by Black South Africans, right? Yes. And then they yes. rented it out to these foreign nationals as they were coming in. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is that still the case? Are there, is there yes. still rent being paid, or are these foreign nationals now bought that piece of land and that and that that shop? I wouldn't know if they, in terms of security of tenure, whether they bought this piece of land. Because most of them are, this, you find that it's in the same four-room yard, yes. house. And then just the front space inside of the yard, which still belongs to the homeowner, right. it's been rented, carved out and rented out to a building spaza and then rented out to a foreigner. In fact, most of the spaza that I've seen, I've visited myself in, mm. uh, in Kajiso, Soweto, and even in Mlazi, they're run by uh, foreigners. Yes. So, and, 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 we it, the funny thing is, uh, John, we say they must go, but we are the one who actually entice them. We are the one who welcome them and give them that piece of land or piece mm, of space mm. to trade see, from. See, that's that's why I'm, I'm I'm interested in what you said there because I always thought it was, uh, uh, you know, the, the way it's portrayed. It's these foreigners have come into the township and they've taken over and they've dominated and, and they've forced their way in and are now doing illegal things, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize there was this quid pro quo happening. There is that quick procure, even with the Zamazamas, the, the, 
uh, artisanal miners or yeah. uh, illegal, illegal miners. miners. Let's call they rent rooms in. You saw that house in the East End that banned and all these other things. Um, rented by uh, Spaza, I mean, Sheik rented by miners coming in, they processing the gold dust and, and you know, uh, from, from the backyard of a house. Um, so uh, we cannot point the finger at others while we are responsible for inviting such problems into our own backyard and benefiting when it suits us. And then when it doesn't suit us, we want them to go. Because then even people say, oh, they're selling cheap stuff, mm. but then later on it kills our children because then that panel is not the panel that we think it is. It is something else. Okay, tell us, illicit. Mm. tell us where these goods are coming from. The, the, these We're seeing it, the cops are busting people all the time. It doesn't seem like they're doing very much there, but they seem to be doing something uh, about where do these goods come from? Uh, how are they made illegally? And you were saying something about export goods. What, what are they? Yes, anecdotally, most of the stuff that they sell is legitimate union stuff that they would buy from a pick and pay, I'm sorry, a macro macro or or jumbo and all that. And what they've done is they've carved up the the supply chain model the way they aggregate their their demand. In other words, if you have to go to Coca-Cola and say, um, for 2024, I want you to supply me a million two liter bottles of of Coca-Cola. Yes. Coca-Cola will give you some discounts because now they are yes. guaranteed that they'll produce a million two-liter bottles uh, in that end. So instead of buying it uh, uh, retail, I mean, buying it uh, wholesale at 15 rands, uh, you'd probably get it at three, 13 rands or, you know, uh, 10 rands or whatever it is. They Now, those discounts are the ones that make them more competitive. Mm. So on, insofar as legitimate products are concerned. And to the extent that some of those products also, that's another avenue, are meant for export. Therefore, you don't pay in VAT or you can claim the VAT wow. back. Yeah. And yet, they're just round-tripping. In fact, they don't even leave the country because once you, f- you show the passport and you bought a million bottles of Coca-Cola, they're entitled to that VAT, whatever the amount is. So oh, you are able yeah. to discount it when you sell it. So that's why they make they became so uh, competitive mm. compared to the locals who may not have that type of leeway of skimming the system. So they're able to do that and pass on that. But also, there's an element of illicit production facilities that they've set up, they've mastered the art of production, you'd think you're drinking a Valpreb water, only find it the water from a rehydrant <laughs> or water yeah. from a toilet. Yeah, we've seen those pictures, haven't we? Um, yes. Yeah, even illegal alcohol that's made, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yes. Um, you kind of wish that these people would put their nefarious ways into good instead of negative sometimes. You see the clever ways they do that. What do you make as as the, the Institute of Chartered Entrepreneurs about the municipalities? First of all, only now showing, remembering it's an election year, uh, but but maybe showing some will that they now want to audit the spaza shops around the country. I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it's an election year approaching. Uh, well, we are already within twelve months of, a, of, a, of an election in anyway, Nairobi. Mm. Um, so everybody's trying to say we're doing something. But also, there's been an avalanche of uh, wrongdoing that yes. is expressed. We've seen babies die. We've seen people getting sick. We've all manner of horrible things that happen. So now that probably has jolted the politicians into some action. Uh, but whether or not the manner in which they approach it is, is sustainable or is doable is another thing. Because first of all, Home Affairs doesn't have jurisdiction over spouses, unless, of course, I mis- misread the whole thing. So, um, and in fact, spouses ought to be audited and registered and monitored for health 
um, say for years, for as long as you've got it, you sell food and, and it has to shoot up. The health protocols should, uh, you know, the health, uh, agriculture, whatever uh, protocols should actually be applied. So the, inspe- the city inspector of health should actually be visiting this place. And register. you should know how many spazas are in a particular geographical area and make sure that they conform with the health. But none of those, uh, the rules went out of the way. People are doing as they please, which is why you still find people sleeping in the spazza shop mm. itself with something that is not allowed in law, I believe. So they just wake up now. You know what, uh, John, just before you proceed, <laughs> when I was young, the municipality would know how many people live in my forum, in my grandpa's, yeah. grandparents' uh, forum house. They would know because then it will help them also with planning. But then if you're going to allow trade that is unregulated and people also using it as as, as, a, as a place to actually um, live in, you are putting a strain on the resources because a house is meant to generate or be supplied with and consume so much electricity. Mm-hmm. Now you've and got water. fridges, you've got stoves, you've got all those manner of things that they use to generate income. Now you're putting a strain on the ESCOM transformer, um, and and you've got also the the, the the it actually even encourages illegal illegal connection into the utility, whether it's water uh, or, or or sewage or, or or even electricity in in, in many instances, and that contributes to the general malaise of or, or that we face as a country. As soon as you regulate a spaza shop, it's no longer a spaza shop; it now becomes a franchise. The whole point of a a spaza shop, and that's why I started with that question, is it was because it was uh, the only option at the time. So you you started the small little store because that's where people could go. Now, if you want to regulate it and have to get licenses, it's time-consuming. As you said, uh, home affairs, and you've got to get different government departments involved, and they turn slower than a sloth. Doesn't that get rid of the whole idea of what a spaza shop is? John, you hit the nail on the head because... You're introducing another layer of bureaucratic, mm. um, you know, compliance that we know that the system doesn't work. We, we've seen probably we've had problems about the liquor license, liquor about how, you know, it's been <laughs> not giving licenses to legit uh, establishments. And, and then that also creates chaos uh, or a demand for bribes or an opportunity first for, drive, for bribes to actually be asked. Because mm. if you want me to fast track the system for you, give me something on the side, I'll, I'll get you the license or I'll give you this. And and enforcement is also another issue. We don't have enforcement. Yes. So it means you must also now invest as a city or as a province or as a country uh, in enforcement mechanisms. And yet we know what happens with enforcement. There's corruption and there's just a death of enforcement of the rules. So why even bother coming up with new rules that you know that they are not going to be implemented or if they're implemented, there'll be just a lot of corruption. Okay, because, yeah, we, we can make all the laws we want, but if it's not implemented, what's the point? And I'm just looking, one article I found here, there's Regulation R638 of 2018, R146 of 2010 for food labeling. There's three acts that you can do just by walking into any shop. Forget a spaza shop. Yeah, Absolutely. I can go in, like a, a, a good checkers, and I'm sure they're breaking a couple of laws just because of, of these Absolutely. things. Um, Absolutely. So, all right, let's talk about, I want to come back to the foreigners. A foreign-owned spaza shop, if they are in the country legally and they are obeying the laws, is that okay that they own the store? To the extent that I'm unaware of any law that forbids them from trading or, or running, they, they, they are perfectly allowed to, or should be allowed to do right. that. I do not know how the immigration laws work. I'm mm-hmm. not expecting that. But if the laws don't forbid that, why not? 
But if the law says we'll set aside as in other countries like Botswana, I believe, that certain uh, uh, trades like spaza running a spaza shop are forbidden. I, I mean, uh, foreigners are forbidden from right. running certain things or hairdress and all. Because there are no skills and all those things. Therefore, if we have this type of laws, then we must enforce them and make sure that they don't run those spazas. But we extend that uh, there the, the is no, there may not be such laws or, or, or bylaws in place, then all that we're talking about is just Hogwarts. If, uh, the minister or cabinet or, or legislature must actually pass laws that will make that will empower enforcement. But then enforcement is also an issue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but so they, they I, I honestly am baffled as to how they're going to start. Or they'll audit. Somebody will make money running from one person <laughs> to the other, um, and then there'll be bribes, more bribes paid. But whether it's going to have the efficacy they offer to be thought through. Um, it's another question altogether. Mr. Bokhar, you and I know that we've seen a Metro car parked outside of a spaza shop buying a cool yeah. drink quickly. Yeah. We know. Yeah. Not, not getting bribes. They're just going to the spaza shop that could very well be there illegally. Yes, I mean, I've, I've, uh, just a few days ago, I love KFC, by the way. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm punting some... some all the, brand, all the brands. I like, I like all the brands. <laughs> but I was walking into this chicken place uh, yeah. one, one night and, and I was getting my usual two-piece and something. And there's a cop, a metro cop, with a bounty full of 10 rands and 20 rands. I said, ooh, that ATM that you went to must have been milling out uh, old notes, uh, 10 rands and 20 rands only. Obviously, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And we know that they'll, <laughs> they'll feed on those things. And that for us is the... Is the uh, is, is, a, is, is the weakest link in our criminal justice systems that we have got enforcement officers, officers are supposed to enforce the law who are actually just breaking the laws or mm-hmm. encouraging the breaking of laws. Uh, one thing I didn't realize, and you know, people, there are legal people and there are South Africans who are doing things legally at a spaza shop, but they are being undermined by big corporates. And, and you mentioned the malls that come in. And when when a checkers or a pick and pay or whatever moves into a township, suddenly spaza shops are going to close down, and that's the livelihood of people. How can uh, how do we stop that exploitative business practice from from big brands that are coming in and say, well, you know, go to go to us instead of your local? But John, the question is: Are spaza's business model sustainable themselves, mm-hmm. or is this way are they predicated on somebody just doing something? on the side while they're looking for formal employment because we really honestly don't locate this question as to whether do they do this because they make money or they do it just to survive and make an extra rent every day to buy bread mm-hmm. and other things um, while they're looking for employment because I think there was a study done to that extent. Yes. And, and, and because of that, they are not so strong, they don't have a strong foundation. So any competition that arises just actually puts them at risk of, of imploding. And therefore... Um, the model is, and then you find that there's a proliferation of spazas. You might find that there's three mm-hmm. spazas on the same street selling the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ask yourself, what do you imagine? So what is it, like turnover? Mm-hmm. They, they're barely surviving. So they'll do anything in between to try and, and, and augment whatever it is that they're running through the spaza. And therefore, that also, you, that's why you'd find, you go to Melville, go to other areas, you'll find that there's also illicit business that is happening in those parts. Somebody's selling sweets, but actually behind those sweets, they're actually selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and, and then more profitable than what you see the sweets. You ask yourself, will the guy sit under the sun for the whole day selling sweets and, 
and, and biscuits that were, that, you know, only mm. to find that now, actually. So the same thing, even the same thing with the delivery guys. Most of these motorbikes, but some of them are used to deliver drugs. I mean, I've seen recently one in Cape Town who just stopped by a cops. He was perspiring only to find that he's got yeah. loads of daha in his. In his. Okay, we, so we, we got to. That comes we, the front. We got a minute to book, a minute and a half. Uh, so what. So the economy, we always talk about this township economy and how positive it is and how it's worth millions in South Africa. But what you're saying is if you break those millions down to the amount of shops, people aren't becoming millionaires by owning a Spaza shop. No. They're barely making it through. They're just barely making it through. Just trying to... That is why even the notion of uh, township economy doesn't resonate with me because mm-hmm. my thinking is... The economy must be intertwined. There's no such thing as a township economy, a city economy, a suburbia economy, and all those other things. Because you need to make sure that you can actually leverage on the strength, the comparative advantage of one area than the other. Uh, you are able to manufacture certain goods in, in Soweto or pre, uh, uh, pre-manufactured goods in Soweto to go into, right. into, to be made into finished goods elsewhere in, in, in the city. And when I was growing up, we, my grandmother used to supply East Milari with, with bases for the base for the heads. Mm-hmm. She would bake them in our cold stove, um, create the base, and then we would take them in a taxi to the town, give us the money. They finish, put the feathers or whatever else. So you need interdependence. So this idea that you're going to have a classic economy, a classic economy most largely is based on consumption. Yes. And you consume stuff that are manufactured elsewhere. Therefore, so your, your rent doesn't circulate within the economy itself. You're making a fortune for the big corporates anyway because they're Absolutely. dropping off a fridge of Coke or a fridge of Fanta or Pepsi. And that's where the money's going. It's not necessarily Absolutely. going into Soweto where they could be making stuff. Absolutely. All right. Uh, lots to talk about. Thank you very much to Boko Kass for explaining Thank all you. of that. Uh, Chief Entrepreneur at the Institute of the Chartered Entrepreneurs. You want to find out more about what they do, go to ioce.co.za. I-O-C-E for Institute of Chartered Entrepreneurs.